Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, a podcast where we have discussions talking about the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Thanks for joining us. If you're new to the show, what you're going to find here is a series of conversations where we tackle issues and we talk about society, culture, the church, Christianity, and Jesus, and what Jesus says about all those other things. It follows loosely a bit of my story. I became a Christian about 20 years ago and have been involved in lots of different ministries, lots of different churches, and along the way I've, I've come up with lots of questions about, is this, is this really what it's about to be a Christian? Is this really how church is supposed to be? And, and I found that I wasn't really the only one with those type of questions. About 14 months ago, my wife and two kids at the time, now three, we moved down from Manitoba, Canada to a place called Orville, California and joined a small church congregation that seemed to be doing things really different outside of the mold. I decided to call the show The Uncommon Truth because a lot of the answers that I was getting and a lot of the things that I was seeing really didn't fit with the way the rest of the church had taught me how to do things or had taught me how to read Jesus or had taught me how to be a Christian. So that's the uncommon part, but the truth part is it it really seemed to actually work. Um, It seems to actually be working in my life and the life of others. And so I've sought the advice and the conversation of some pastors around here, some, some staff members, to help me kind of understand more of what it takes to really be the church the way Jesus meant it to be. So if you think along the same lines, maybe you have some of the same questions, uh, maybe you're not really content with what the church is in North America, think there's maybe something more that Jesus wants for us, I think you will find the uncommon truth really impactful. Hopefully today's episode will be no different. Today I'm welcoming my friend Sarah Budd, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the difference between an experientially based Christian faith and a biblically based Christian faith. If you stick around for the end of the show, I'll give you some ways to get in contact with us and to give us your feedback and a few links to some other things that you might find interesting, some other content that you can check out there. But for now, let's get to Sarah and our discussion here on The Uncommon Truth. All right, well, welcome back to The Uncommon Truth, Sarah Budd. Sarah is my guest for the second time. And Actually, for the third time, um, two of them on the same subject, but I'll get into that again in a little bit. Um, let's see, you've got a master's degree in geology, right? That That's you don't, true. You don't love to talk about, but I like to bring it up to show that... You know, I can get real high quality guests here. And that's so from, helpful. That's Most from helpful Cambridge for this podcast. in the UK, right? All about rocks. We're not going to talk about rocks today, right. but it's just super helpful degree. Yeah. I remember you, so much of it. You're you're partly a genius and you're par- partially igneous too, which is <laughs> a geology pun. So we're, we're, uh, we're needing to get a little bit upbeat this morning here on the podcast <laughs> because as it turns out in my efforts to get ahead of the system and, and try to get ahead of the holiday rush. I, I've been recording lots of episodes with lots of guests and and I ran out of space while recording what will be next week's episode and accidentally deleted what would have been today's episode. And it was just gold as it well. Was it was good. We high fived afterwards. It was like the best podcast episode we've ever had. Felt good about it. So yeah. we're going to do our best to, <laughs> to recapture some of that mojo here. What we're going to be talking about is, it kind of flows in from last week's episode, which uh, your friend Danielle talked about millennials, and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how to reach the young adults and, 
and kind of the, I guess, the opportunities that come with the challenges of young adulthood and and how how that generation is changing right. things. Um, and specifically, we I thought I'd bring you on to talk more about how uh, feelings and experience can can sort of be not really the best teacher all the time when it comes to right. theology and truth and right. and understanding Christianity. Right. So um, I don't know, where should we start? Well, um, I guess we could start with kind of what we see as kind of the problem in our society and kind of why this this kind of feelings and experience-based understanding of truth has come about. And, yeah. Or at least my my perception of it, which is that so if you look at kind of what's going on right now so people are um uh in terms of making decisions on what to believe it's moved from maybe when i so i'm 31 maybe when i was very first growing up kind of a facts-based evidence-based more sort of scientific approach of or at least having a conversation of oh this is what i believe oh but did you know this Right. And we've moved more to like a feelings um, and uh, identity and personality kind of based thing of, well, to me, I believe this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the world works like this. And and to me, God is. And um, the one thing you can't do is disagree with somebody because that's their belief and that's yeah. their opinion. And that's kind of we, we're used to this idea of that we can kind of hold all of these intention and maybe we all believe different things. But, you know somehow they can kind of be true for me or true for you and that's mm. your truth and um uh you know obviously um it hasn't always been this way yeah and um you know me doing my science degree back in the day um that the scientific way of looking at the world is very influenced by rationality and almost kind of worshiping that mm-hmm. you know it's like my mind can tell me everything i need to know about the world if i just had enough data yeah you know i could if i just did enough experiments i could find out what was true about the world and i can figure out what's true based on um does it make sense and and using my mind and using my rationality and then um so there was this period in history as well when that was huge and yeah. there was this great kind of scientific age and people believed that um, better technology and better understanding of the world was going to solve all of mm-hmm. our problems um, and so you see that in history and then we move on to this period in history when people got disillusioned with this and people felt like this absolute truth that we were going to find just wasn't it was wasn't there yeah well it was kind of like so the enlightenment came and right. and things were like wow, I, there's no limit to what we can figure there's out no with limit, yeah. with our like what we know and and what we don't know, but yeah. we're going to know, yeah. right? And there's this like we're on the up and up, yeah. and then we get to the 20th century, and it's like oh, so you can also use science and things like social Darwinism to pick people that aren't good enough to keep going, and so then you have Hitler and and yeah, so, Stalin and Mao and, yeah, and all of those, and, and but, so then we've taken a step back, almost like the pendulum is swung, like yeah, so it, that cold that's rationality. Definitely, that's definitely part of it, and I think with that, it was kind of truth is, truth itself is elusive, right and wrong maybe doesn't even exist, and, and God doesn't exist, and then, okay, then I'm just going to I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and that's mm-hmm. going to be. And I think then there's been this big reaction to that. And instead, okay, we can't throw out truth. We can't say that it doesn't exist because we're just going to end up with, um, 
well, the disaster that was anarchy, the disaster that was a lot of the beginning of the 20th century. So there is a truth and there are things that we really hold dear, you know, like inclusion and um, tolerance and tolerance, you know, but um, we can't push my um, belief system on somebody else Mm -hmm you know, cause that is oppression, right? Yeah. So instead it's like truth is something that we decide on as a community and you know, that's kind of, that flows and, um, you get relativism basically, yeah. right? Truth is this, um, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Mm-hmm. You know, truth is whatever we decide yeah. it is. Well, I heard somebody talking about how, so in the, in like the sixties and seventies, you had like the sort of like a hippie movement where a lot of this was starting, right? Yeah. Where a lot of this is like relativism and Time Magazine was saying God is dead, right? Yeah. And then a lot of those people became professors in in our universities. And yeah. now they're now they're teaching like the previous generation, you know, they they become an economics prof- professor, for example. And if you if you teach that there's no there's no absolute truths and truth yeah. is relative in economics and you get things like the great economy crash when people are doing really really shady things unethical things with money on a global scale and causing like this global econo- economic downturn because nobody ever really taught them like hey there's there's actually right and wrongs there's things that are more true and yeah right yeah so um this the issue with a lot of this with both the there is no truth and the truth is relevant relative um ways of looking at things is that um, when it comes down to it, how do you decide what's right and wrong? How do Mm -hmm. you decide? Maybe there is no right and wrong, or maybe it's just whatever my opinion, but you know, how do you decide? And that's when um, you actually can't say that something that someone is doing is wrong. Yeah. On what basis can you say that? Because all it is, is me against you, my opinion against yours. Mm -hmm. That's what happens if God isn't the final say on right and wrong and truth yeah so there's no basis anywhere you're probably thinking why on earth are we talking about this random cultural stuff well Mm -hmm. we have to be so aware of how like this is what i grew up in yeah you know this is all these different kind of floaty different ideas of ideas of like truth and rationality and truth and feelings and things being relative and like all of that is what i've been kind of marinating in for 31 Mm -hmm. years that's the lenses through which you see the world Yeah, exactly and and we have to kind of be wise about that and recognize okay all of these influences have been hitting me and all these ideas and then how does that affect how i approach a god who says he is the truth yeah and how does that affect how i relate to him and how i decide what's real and true and how Mm. i decide what's right and wrong and how i view the bible um you know coming down to what you said at the beginning with um you know feelings and experience-based christianity versus biblical christianity yeah so i've been thinking a little bit as we're talking about we we want to have it as a culture. We want to have it both ways, right? And it's yeah. it's really not too different in Christian culture. We want to have it both ways, right? We want we want to know that we're right, but we also don't want to be ever told that we're wrong, <laughs> right? It's and true. it's kind of funny. Like you see it in outrage culture right now. There's so many things like on a daily basis, like half the news stories. Even I like to follow sports and. Even like a third of the stories in sports are so and so tweeted this. Everyone got outraged, and yeah. he's no longer allowed to have a phone, or yeah. you know something or like back this. Back in like twenty years ago, somebody said something that could be misconstrued as right. as an yeah. as a sixteen year old, and it's it's like okay, well, 
nothing is if if nothing is true or truth is relative or my truth can't tell your truth yeah that's completely different than than being really really outraged because something you said is just wrong yeah. and it's it's like having our cake and eating it too it right is. yeah and when is. when we when we talk about it in the same breath it's like well that's kind of like not both of those can be true at the same time but yet we mm. we as christians and we as as just people in our society today we live with that that um two incompatible ideas uh at the same time we don't even think about it right and we we, have, we approach the bible it. with things like that so the issue is right? where how does all of this culture like even the so what you're describing of like this outrage culture it's because we have this victim culture right mm -hmm. where it's all about yeah. i am a victim um, people are defining themselves based on what kind of victim group they fall into if you're not sure what i'm talking about you just need to watch like the voice or american idol or yeah. <laughs> um uh, that the world of dance or uh uh, master chef you know yeah. you like watch a show where it's like a competition show where you get someone's backstory and then like you just like time until the tears yeah you know because in order for us to relate to somebody and feel like um you know sympathetic towards someone we need to ne hear how they are a victim mm -hmm. <laughs> and every single person needs to be and that's kind of where like we're moving yeah. towards my identity is like what you know how how i'm you know how i have the sob story basically mm -hmm. Um, and then with that, if I'm a victim, then anything you say to me that offends me, that's hatred. Yeah. And you, in order for you to show me love, you need to, um, you need to defend my cause even more loudly than I defend mm. my cause. Right. Yeah. So then if you imagine that we're influenced by this, then we're coming to, um, to Christianity and we're coming to relating to God who has absolutely no problem telling me what to do, hurting my feelings, yeah. um, offending me, telling me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. we, we we find that we're if we're marinating in this victim culture, this outrage culture, this love is making me feel good culture, then we're basically crippling ourselves to be able to hear the person that we most need to hear. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably what most concerns me. Like what I've seen um, growing up in the church and in um, in the streams of Christianity that I've been involved in, in my generation, so people in their 20s and 30s particularly, maybe 40s, um, I'm seeing um, a Christianity based on this experience thing, this God making me feel good thing. Yeah. And um, that means that my focus is on having those experiences. And those experiences are wonderful, necessary. It is an equally... Um, disastrous error to not value them and not pursue yeah. them and not um, not want to hear God, feel God, know God, right? Um, but when like my pursuit is for me to have those experiences, and when God is only real and good and loving and true, when I'm when having, having, when my you. life is yeah. going well, honestly, right? Mm -hmm. That's um, that's kind of like the opposite of what Jesus says when He's saying about building your life on the rock. Yeah, and I I think I can relate to that with. With the uh, with the young adults that would work at the camp that yeah. I used to run, they yeah. would they would come and they're like, oh man, so I'm so glad I'm back at camp because, man, life is really tough outside of camp and yeah. and they come and they have this really mountaintop experience where, they they really give up everything for a summer to be there. They don't even get to hold their phones but an hour a day, which wow. for for a young person a is like deal. that's like picking up your cross like three yeah. times a day, right? Yeah. And. And yet they experience amazing community, amazing friendships, and they hear God and experience God like every single day. There's worship like twice a day, and, and they're just like, man, this is so great. 
and I check in with them or I would check in with them in October just to like, Hey, so how, how has it been going? Like you reported some like amazing things that God was doing in your life yeah. and it's all gone, right? Like it's, yeah. it's for the most, most part, it's just, yeah, like I'm, I wasn't, I got back home and, and it's like the parable of the, the sower, right? The, yeah. the, whether it's the weeds or the, the cares of the, whatever's going on school or paying for school or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend issues. And they just, yeah, they've forgotten because it was all experiential. Yeah. And so it's not to say that those experiences aren't massively helpful. They kind of need to be like a spark, right? Yeah. It's like they, they, they fulfill their purpose of, um, yeah, like you said, like a spark, something that starts something, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and something that we have to hold on to remember, look back on, you know, that's how God like directed like the, the children of Israel when they had their amazing experiences with him, like they had to like make monuments so that for generations to come, they would remember. And it's something that we like is wonderful if we can have throughout our life, Mm -hmm. but what is it that builds a Christianity that works and a Christianity where your life is on that rock that whatever happens to you, you're following Jesus. And mm-hmm. and what it says in that parable that we learn in Sunday school, it's whoever hears my words and puts them into practice. And so it's what I do to walk out basically obedience to Jesus that causes my life to be built on a rock. Mm-hmm. It's I hear him and I decide to obey him. That's what faith is, right? Yeah. Faith is putting what you say you believe into yeah. practice, right? But that that sounds like hard work. It sounds exactly. like it sounds like exactly. you have so to actually fit do with something. This, we're in this culture where it's all about serve me, serve how I feel, love this idea of love that um, you know love is about making me feel good, making me feel validated. Mm-hmm. You know, like making me. It's it's kind of like the cuddly love. Yeah. You know, and then you look at. If we, if we believe that that's what love is, then we come to this God that we read about in the Bible and, and we cannot, you cannot um, reconcile that because that is not, I mean, he does that sort of love, but that is not, if God is love, yeah. then love is more than that, you know, because yeah, he does yeah. all kinds of things that in no way fit with that definition. Yeah. And I, know? and I just think of it like it's sometimes you're, I guess for me in my life, I've learned more and the Bible has become more real to me as certain things in my life happen. So I understood yeah. more of how, um, how I'm supposed to relate to Jesus after I got married, because it's not just, it's not just me doing whatever I want all the time. Right. It's like, now it's me doing whatever she wants yeah. all the time. Right. And then even more of a, a revelation when, when I start having kids. Right. <laughs> it's true. So now I'm just getting to this wonderful, horrible age of three and a half where my oldest daughter, Jovi, who's, she is just like, She's just a little ball of energy, never settles down. Um, she's kind of sassy, but hilarious at the same yeah. time. And she's like a hippie, in my opinion. She's she, like a she free is, spirit. She's totally. <laughs> and and it's and when people who have known me as a kid see her, they're like, wow, it's it's a little female you. And I take that as like a, a compliment and also like, oh, no, what what is going to happen now? <laughs> but she, like I was just, I don't know, sometimes we have evenings in, in our little house where we, we just all get on each other's nerves. And so sometimes it's hard because I feel like I'm always correcting her, right? Yeah. And and I know, um, I, heard, I read this thing that's been really helpful to me in a book by Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's a Canadian psychologist. And he said, don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them, which right. is, that's a whole other thing to unpack. But just understanding that your your kids actually can do things that make you dislike them. And if if my kid can make me dislike them, 
then how are they going to relate to the rest of the world, right? Right. Is that You're gonna not going to like my gonna kid. It's going to work out for them, is it? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so my job as a parent is to take my tiny human and make them into a a larger human who, or let them grow into a larger human that can actually relate to friends and, and life. Yeah. jobs, you know, coworkers, yeah. Um, yeah. teachers. And so I'm, I'm just correcting every little thing she does. Like she keeps asking to watch a show and we don't want to wa- let her watch too much TV. So like, no, stop asking. We don't want you to keep asking every five minutes for something. We'd like to actually have five minutes of of Peace. not yelling and screaming and playing the tambourine. So we would actually like you to watch your show, but we're not going to let you if you keep asking. Yeah. And she came and she's like, well, I'm like the fifth time we've said that, like you ask one more time and there's no more Paw Patrol for the next 24 hours. <gasps> right. Paw Patrol. Oh man. That's something I will never forget the song to unfortunately. <laughs> um, but she's like, dad, that hurts my feelings. And I just, I had to think about that. And it's like, I I get that. It hurts your feelings. And I I was like, how do I explain this to a three-year-old? I'm okay with hurting your feelings. Yeah. Because I want you, and I I just said like, do you you like when your friends hit you? No, no, I don't like when my friends hit me. So are are you going to, are you going to tell them? Yeah, I'll tell them not to hit me. Then I, then I brought it to this. Like we've, she's got a little friend who had jumped off something and broke his leg. Oh, yeah. And so it's pretty real to her now. Um, and so I said, if your friend was riding his little bike and they all have these, all the kids in our little block have these little strider bikes and they can go at the speed of light on these things. <laughs> and uh, it's incredible to see them and terrifying at the same time. And I'd say, if your little friend was going towards a cliff, would you, and he was going to fall off and get hurt really bad. Would you tell him to stop, even if it hurt his feelings? And and I couldn't believe that actually made sense to her, but it did. She said, yeah, I would tell him to stop, even if he cried. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's what I'm doing to you. So stop right. asking for Paw Patrol. <laughs> I don't yeah. care if that makes you sad. Yeah. Because I'd, ra- I'd rather you not, you know, burn your, your bridges before you're even old enough to socialize, right? Yeah, which comes down to like that definition of real love, mm-hmm. which is really lacking in our culture because we've defined love in a way that's actually very weak. Mm. And that, you know, we, 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 we settle at not offending people with, when true love is doing what's best for somebody at your own cost. And it, it, offending somebody is actually really difficult. It's tough. It's, it's maybe why not too, many, um, uh, not too many pastors are willing to kind of really lay out some, some of the things it says in the Bible and in, in the words that it says in the yeah. Bible because offending people, it comes at a great cost. And, and, and the um, Bible's not really seeker-friendly. No, it's not always, you know, uh, and it, it, it hurts when you know that you've, when you know that somebody, you've hurt someone's feelings, you feel crappy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so if, but if love is doing what um, is best for somebody, even at your own cost, it, love invo- includes discipline love includes telling somebody hey that if you keep going that way that's going to work out really poorly for you Mm -hmm. you know and and um when we look at uh, how does if god is love then everything everything he's ever done has been out of love you know he didn't you know take a break from loving to go and for jesus to yell at the pharisees and say you brood of vipers you know you're like snakes you're like a dead body inside of a tomb that looks good on the outside on the inside is rotten, you know, like that, you know, how is that love? Well, 
they were going the wrong way. Like, what, how is it, you know, it wasn't, he knew it was not going to work out well for these people yeah. and he needed to wake them up. My, the one I like on that one is you're like a, a cup or a pot that's been washed on the outside. And I think of that every time I go back to the coffee cup in my office right? and, and I'm like, oh man, how long has that been there? It looked, right? re- looked really nice Nasty. from across the room Ooh. and it's got like mold on it in the inside. Yeah. yeah. My grandpa would just say it's penicillin. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it is that like, it's not really fun if somebody were to call you a you know like really your insides are are rotten but you know you look nice outside that's not gonna feel good and that so we have to this is what we really have to look at you know because we have such a tendency to skip past you know to have this like we're talking about this experience-based christianity right yeah so to really search for those aspects of christianity that make me feel good where i'm having these experiences and to really ignore the things that don't feel good, the things mm-hmm. that don't sit right with me, the things where God doesn't seem to be fulfilling my idea of who he should be, yeah, you know, and we tend to just skip past that stuff. Um, like I remember one of my friends saying, oh yeah, I just don't really get, you know, you know, I, she, with somebody that totally would call themselves a, you know, born again Christian saying, Actually, you know, I just don't really agree with Paul on some of the things he's saying. Yeah. Now, and, and for me, it's like a very logical, you know, so take a step back from that. What is your decision-making procedure there if you are judging the Bible and you're judging what yeah. God has said, this is what I want to put in the Bible that mm-hmm. Paul wrote, you know, um, rather than letting it judge you. And yeah. your your feeling of right and wrong gets to trump the what god has said i'm going to write down for you guys to know that's going to be true this whole time you know and so what we have a tendency to to do is these kind of experience feelings-based christians is um just to kind of skip past that stuff and ignore Mm -hmm. it or even to make really convoluted explanations for why something that's very clearly um just laid out really straightforwardly in the in the new testament is is somehow not true for example you know, the real popular one going on right now. Um, and if you've heard this, I'm sure that Max would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from yeah. you, um, it, which is that there is no hell. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how you can, I don't believe you can read the New Testament with the attitude of, I want to learn something. I'm not an expert. I'm yeah. a beginner. Teach me, Jesus. I don't know how you can read the New Testament with that kind of blank slate attitude and and get anything other than there most definitely is a hell jesus talks about it constantly more he talks about hell more than he talks about heaven he talks about it more than he talks about almost anything else yeah <laughs> you know and and it's it's a theme throughout this the the bible that's right there you mm-hmm. know i don't know how you could come to that conclusion but the reason why people are coming to that conclusion is because they their their decision making system is what we've just been talking about yeah you know it's it goes like this it goes God is love. I know that that is true. I know what love is. Love is, and then defining it, you know, however we define yeah. love, right? Maybe maybe you had an abusive dad, you know, who hit you, and you know, you know that discipline is wrong. You know that. You know how that feels. That is wrong, you know? And, and maybe you have a, I have a baby daughter, and I know that because I love her, I could never send her away from my presence. I could never mm-hmm. make a decision where she is never going to come near me again because that would destroy me. Yeah. You know? So I know that God is love and I know what love looks like. And therefore, I know that he could never send someone to hell. What's the problem with that? Well, it, it 
it presupposes the wrong starting point. Right, and the wrong um, person who gets to decide yeah, all of that. It, right, it, it, it starts it, with you and your feelings. Me, yeah, me, my feelings, my logic, my experience, my rationality. Who is God right now? Mm. Me. Yeah. You know, and and we put we often because we, we've we've we're in this culture where we are so independent, and we we are, we are strongly discouraged from letting anybody else teach us mm-hmm. and we are strongly discouraged from letting anyone like it, one of the main reasons why a lot of people look at you know even like our little church aside from that we all live together in community which is obviously a little fright freaky <laughs> yeah you know doesn't yep. really fit with western mentality but they're probably the biggest reason why we get branded a cult every day yep is because we believe in letting someone tell you what to think mm-hmm. and set, and someone tell you this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. And that is just, that just flies in the and, face. And not just culture. anybody, right? It's not just not anybody just telling anybody, you. No. It's somebody with, so, so for example, Steve, 44 years of, of studying the Bible and with fruit of... And more peop- importantly, living it out. Yeah, yeah. living it out. Living and people out. who yeah. have followed him are now successful and because of that, place. right? Yeah. Anybody, anybody from yeah. someone in my position to, you know, coming from a successful ministry yeah. to come and learn from him and Jordy yeah. to guys like um, a, a guy he talks about named Devin who was sleeping on the couch in the alleyway and yeah, he gave him a room. Yeah, that, that try to commit suicide, you right. know, or that were in just absolute depths of despair. Yeah. And these, so we've that seen, functional and right? Happy. So it's not just like, well, we're, we're laying down our rationality and letting somebody else, somebody else do, you know, do whatever. tell us, tell us what to do Drink just so we can have a roof over yeah. our head or something. Yeah. It's actually, you know, people who, who have knowledge and and the years of proving what they're yeah. doing is, and it's God's design. Biblical. Yeah, it's it's God's design. It's a and this is it's so unpopular, but it's authority. And how does authority work, mm-hmm. right? And we we like to think that we have um, that we have some authority. You know, we have some self control and we have some, um, you know, ability to direct our lives and. Uh, but in the in the Bible, all authority is based on submission. Hmm. You know, it's like Jesus, even though he is God, submitted to Father God, and Father God gave him all authority in heaven and on earth, yeah. right? And then um, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. What's making disciples? It's saying to somebody, follow me. I'm following Jesus. So you follow me and then you find someone and they're going to follow you. Mm-hmm. It's and, and all of everything that we're just talking right now is like totally out of our comfort zone yeah. because we just don't trust people. And because we are taught to be independent and we are taught that it is weak and an extremely bad idea to put mm-hmm. your life in someone else's hands like that. Yeah. And so instead we like to be these little individuals who make up our own minds, who go our own way. And we think that, oh, but yeah, but I'm still submitted to the Holy Spirit. I'm still submitted to God. I do whatever God says. I don't need any man to teach me. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm submitted to what God says. But, but really? Really? Yeah. Su- you know, really? You can't submit to a person? Well, but you I, can submit to God. Of course you can. Yeah. I think one thing that, that you brought up before that, that got me thinking is, so we have this, this idea that, well, we we're made in God, God's image, so we we kind of would know right. how God would do things. It kind of goes things, back to that right? previous discussion of like, well, I know that can't God must be like this. Yeah, and we expect yeah. that that and and this is one thing I hear a lot of uh, people who don't have don't claim faith are you know they have a problem understanding 
the Bible because there's something in there that that doesn't seem to fit with how if I were God, I would act. Right. And they, they imagine yeah. it's kind of like Bruce Almighty, the movie where Jim Carrey becomes God for a day, right? Yeah. And if, if I were God for a day, this is like, I would change this and this, yeah. this and this. And, um, and, and so we assume that because that's not how it looked in the Bible that, um, that God's not, or, you, you know what I mean? That probably God's Bi- not good. Probably the or, Bible must be wrong. Either God's not good or there is a God. We just don't know him because yeah. the Bible must just be wrong. And there must be a different, because I know that there must be a God and I know that he must be good, but this, or, you know, maybe there's bits of the Bible that are misinterpreted. Right? Yeah. You know? And so I have to go through these mental gymnastics In to order take to somehow rationalize super it. simple, you know, like plain, plain meaning of something and say, well, I, I, it can't, if God's anything like me, then this is what he really means. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, the, the thing is we, we change as individuals. We change what we care about in society from yeah. generation to generation. Oh, big time in different right? places like in the country too, fif- in different places in the world. 50 yeah. years ago was a complete flip flop from where we are yeah, now. Absolutely. Um, which is, which is really comforting that God doesn't change because right. we're all over the map. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. And so I, I think, uh, you know, looking at when we're talking about experience based and biblically based, we've got to get the we've got to get things in the right order. Yeah. Um, right. Like this. I, I remember I, I wish I knew the author of this quote, but he said, you know, if if you gave me all of God's power for a day, you just see the things that I would change. But right. if you also gave me all of God's wisdom, you would see that probably I wouldn't change a thing. I guess the biggest thing we have to decide is kind of who's the boss, yeah. you know, who's the authority, mm-hmm. you know, because the problem is with all of this individualism and all of this kind of mental gymnastics to make it be fit with whatever I already believe is we've basically decided that I'm the boss and that um, we make it impossible to be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we come to the Bible and when this is what I used to do innocently, um, not realizing I was doing it, but I used to read the Bible and I would... Um, I'd read it to check, to, to, to kind of uh, back up what I already believed, you know? Yeah. So I'd be reading some bits and I'd say, oh man, that's so clear and that's so encouraging, you know, and that's, you know, that's absolutely, that's true, mm-hmm. you know? And then I'd read something different. Um, let's say, for example, the parable of the sheep and the goats. What the heck is that about? Because we all know that we're saved by grace and that through faith. Why on earth is Jesus talking about it mattering in the end what you actually did with your life. Yeah, that's you the know, one where, where where it's like the sheep were the ones who gave him something to eat and yeah, something to like drink, Yeah, it's like you saw me hungry, you fed me, you saw me naked and you clothed me. And, you know, that being the result of their faith. You yeah, know? and the goats didn't. And both yeah. of them say, like, when did we ever when, see you? Yeah, exactly. And, okay. and it turns out that the one camp is going to the hev- heaven and the other is going to hell. And, um, you know, how does that, that, that did not fit with my theology. Mm-hmm. And so my, but instead of having the attitude that he, God is the authority, he is the truth. And I do not know what I am talking about. Mm-hmm. Who cares what I feel, think, believe, have experienced. I'm clueless. I'm a beginner. I'm a baby. Yeah. So please teach me. Oh my goodness. This is a red flag. Something I have that does not fit what I believe. What I believe must be flawed. Yeah. Jesus is the truth, you know? So instead of having that attitude and then just pouring over that bit to be like, okay, I'm wrong. So please teach me and please show me where, what else I'm wrong. Cause I'm obviously mm-hmm. connecting all the dots wrong. Instead it was like, uh, oh, it's some 
someone's explained that. Moving on. I'm sure. <laughs> sure somebody <laughs> Somebody's has, yeah. explained that one away. And yeah. that's what we do. We like we make these complicated rules and we um and and because it has to fit with what I believe. Yeah. You know? And what I've trying to learn to do now instead is say, heal my wrong thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I teach me your ways. Like, I really don't know what I'm talking about. Please show me what the truth is. And there's so much, I found like so much freedom in not having to support my pet theory, you know, yeah. and not having to be confused. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause it's actually, it's not confusing. Um, God explains himself really well. If yeah. you're just willing to listen, <laughs> you know, if you're yeah. willing to lay down your own ideas and, and, and allow yourself to be offended you know, like being offended is, is that it's great. It's a very helpful feeling. It's a feeling that tells me that something is wrong mm-hmm. and it's probably me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think I remember, I remember the coaches that, so I played lots of sports, right? The coaches that got the most out of me as an athlete were not the ones they, they weren't actually my favorite coaches at the beginning of the season right. or, um, because there were certain coaches that would, and be like, oh, well, we, we probably ran enough today. We don't need to run anymore. Yeah, because that uh, was because you were looking like you were about to mutiny if you're made to run yeah, any right? further. And, and he wants to be like a friend or, you yeah. know. And then I had certain, usually the older guys who were yeah. kind of kind of crotchety and, you know, didn't care what anybody thought. And it's like, all right, doesn't matter. We had a good practice or not. We're running sprints. Yeah. Right. And I would look back, actually looking back on my, my time playing, mostly rugby, it was coaches that were were the hardest on me who challenged me the most who saw you know like you've got gold in you but you've got to sort of work at getting it out yeah um that those are the ones that made me the best right and and i remember having two seasons where the team was almost exactly the same in college but the coach was different and um and it was radically different approaches right because um one coach was was pushing us and and you know wanting us to to shred the extra pounds and and just go go after it and the other one was just content to well you guys probably worked hard enough yeah right which translates onto the field yeah so yeah so we're looking at how does all of this crazy stuff we just talked about like how does that affect me you know it's like am i actually willing to be taught Mm -hmm. am i willing to make jesus the authority on what is true and not me yeah am i willing to read the bible as a beginner um, am I willing to look at the hurt and the pain, you know, honestly, of where love has been, um, you know, wrong in my life, you know, where the people that were supposed to love me didn't love me. And that yeah. colored my view of what a father should be, an authority figure should be, um, who God should be. What does it mean when we say God is love, you know, and um, and am I willing to put my life on the rock, which is to Instead of, because we also have a feelings-based kind of experience-based way of deciding whether or not I am a follower of Jesus. Yeah. You know, and we tend to decide I'm a follower of Jesus because I say that I am. I feel that I am. I have had these experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, based on what he has done for me, you know, which can't be argued with. Instead of what have I done? Mm -hmm. Have I actually put faith into action? Like he said. Do I actually have faith in Jesus? How can you tell? Have I actually done what he said? Yeah. Something that our culture does not really shine a bright light on. Mm-hmm. We don't really ask people, have you done what he said? And why, why does that matter? Well, you know, do I really believe him? Uh, 
well, if I'm not willing to do what he says, do I really trust him? (laughs) Right. You know, and that's whether, you know, coming back to the parable of the sheep and the goats, it's like that. Yeah. My faith should look like something, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, am I going to, uh, you know, jump off that cliff and show that I trust he's going to catch me or am I just going to talk about it? Yeah. You know? And in the end, we, we're going to have to base our, our eternity, our hope and eternity on something. Will we, yeah. will we want to base it on what I feel like should be the truth? Right. Or, or what actually Jesus says, because he says, yeah. like, my words, <laughs> my words aren't going to pass away. Right, yeah, and your words will judge you as well. Exactly, and so yeah. if if his words are going to judge us, yeah, then we should know them, yeah, and put them into practice, yeah. and uh, yeah. and now is a better time than later. It's true, right? <laughs> it's true. So, um, I'm sure there's. It feels like every time you come on, there's a lot more we can talk about. Got it. Um, I'll try to save this episode Please so that don't you know if if you are listening to this, we've <laughs> we've accomplished our goal and we've actually published it. Uh, we haven't put it in the trash can and then emptied the trash confidently <laughs> that we haven't put anything in there that shouldn't be. Um, but it, it does feel like we could keep on talking, which is helpful in situations like this. So I really appreciate your wisdom and thanks. and your clarity and thanks for helping lift my spirits uh, <laughs> after that. Man, if you know how I've, I've felt, you're probably doing a face uh, face palm in the car right now. But you know. uh, Sarah reminded me, it's not all about feelings. What's the reality? What's the reality? We can just go re-record it. It's like, oh, all right. And you know what? I think this one turned out better than the other one. Sweet. So, there we yeah. go. I appreciate it, Sarah. Thanks cool. for your time. Well, thank you once again for listening to The Uncommon Truth and making it part of your podcast routine. I really hope that conversation was something that was thought-provoking, challenging, impactful for you. We really want it to be uncommon and truth. So hopefully that was what was working there in our conversation with Sarah. I'd really love to hear what you think of the show. So I've posted my email in the show notes. Just scroll down on your phone screen or wherever you're listening to the podcast and you'll see my email, maxerman at changeorville.org. And I'd love to hear your feedback or what you thought or even some ideas of what you'd like to hear discussed here on The Uncommon Truth. So hit me up. That's also where you're going to find links to uh, the church's YouTube channel and Instagram and Facebook. So if you want some more content or get involved in the day-to-day operations of the church and the Uncommon Truth, check those out. There's lots of good sermons on the YouTube channel, and you'll probably even hear some from Sarah. So go ahead and click on those. And if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to share it with somebody else, I've also provided you a link there that you can use. You just basically copy and paste that into a text message, an email, Facebook messenger, and send it to somebody you think would be interested in hearing the uncommon truth, and we'd really appreciate the exposure. Last but not least, if you are enjoying the show, I'd really love it if you went over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast on and leave us a rating or review or both. Those just help people who haven't heard the podcast get in touch with the show and find it for themselves because it boosts us up the podcast uh, charts and rankings and stuff. So go ahead and leave us your thoughts in the comments section on wherever you get your podcasts at. Sneak preview for next week. We're going to be joined by Ryan and Lisa Kelly, and they are worship pastors here in Orville who really are passionate about getting theology correct when it comes to worship music. And they're going to talk to us a little bit about how it works and how how the intersection between what we sing and what we believe takes place 
and, and how those all relate to each other. So it's going to be a great conversation. You won't want to miss it. Tune back in next week on The Uncommon Truth. So make sure you subscribe, download, tune back in, whatever, for next week here on The Uncommon Truth.